listening to Law and Gospel Open Mic Friday on this May the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2020. And we have a brand new microphone. We are, of course, doing the program from home, and we'll probably be doing that for some time yet. But we're really anxious to get to our letters we receive. You can't phone me because we're not in the studio, but you can send me an email or a letter. Uh, emails are at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. So without further ado, let's take a look at some of the letters that have come in and how we might respond to them. One of them was a report about the various groups in the United States of America who believe that there is a conflict between their own religious beliefs and mainstream American culture. Now, I take mainstream American culture uh, to be talking about what the Supreme Court has okayed in regard to abortion, uh, gay marriage, and items like that. It just so happens that white evangelicals are much more likely than any other group to see a conflict between their own religious belief and mainstream American culture. In fact, uh, it's a pretty good percentage that sees that. We have 62% that say that that's a real problem. But there are a lot of nuns, and we've talked about that before, N-O-N-E-S. They're quite comfortable with mainstream culture, as are Hispanic Roman Catholics and others who don't see much of a difference. Now, it's clear that 57% of the nuns and nuns are those who say they have no particular religious affiliation. 57% of them say that they're atheists and they don't see much conflict at all between what they personally believe and what the country is leaning towards. So what has set white evangelicals apart? Well, first of all, they more than the rest of us think that American society is moving away from what they believe. Whereas just over half of all Americans think that Christianity is in decline in America, no group thinks that to be the case more than white evangelicals who are at 67%. Now, in this survey, evangelicals are simply the best way to understand it from the survey's point of view are people who believe the Bible is the word of God. And, and that would include uh, not only Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, and Lutherans, and even Roman Catholics, but it would also be talking about those who may not be affiliated with any particular religion but still believe that the word of God is supreme. 72% of them say that a major cause is more permissive attitudes about sexual behavior 
and sexuality in popular culture. For example, you can hardly turn on a television program without some immoral sex taking place. I made this point a number of times is I, I would hate to be a police woman in this country because I cannot think of one television program. Well, it was one. It was the FBI. She was a police woman. But in every other program with police women in it, they are all having sexual immorality, either with other police or with someone else. And I think that's a, a shocking thing because we had police in our congregation and women, and they were not doing that. But boy, when you take a look at television, it just seems to be so permissive. So it's important to understand that the more a person is involved with church properly, hearing the word of God, as it is being preached according to the Bible, the less they think that the word of God is being taught by the country. A number of them would look at the Supreme Court, for example, and recent rulings that are really quite inadequate and contrary to the word of God. And so a lot of Evangelicals believe that the country needs to come more in line with the word of God than it is doing, or else we're going to be in a real problem. And I really do agree with that, with a caveat. We cannot force the country to follow the word of God in all areas. Let me just give you one, a divorce. God allows divorce for the hardness of the heart. That doesn't mean that he appreciates people getting divorced. But for example, we might have members of the congregation who get divorced. And that's a legal thing, a no-fault divorce in a lot of states. But then the church may turn around and bring discipline upon one or both of the members, depending on the reason why the divorce took place. For example, let's say one of the spouses is fooling around with other people. That would be adultery, and that is grounds for excommunication. So there are a lot of things that the church insists on, for example, in contributing to the church but we would not make it a law of the land that people have to contribute to congregations. No, you have a freedom in those areas where the laws of the land should be in agreement with the church is in the area of morality, such as not committing murder and not having gay marriage not killing babies in the womb, and so forth. So it's just kind of interesting to note that the majority of those who believe the Bible to be the Word of God do see a real distinction between society today and what is going on in the church. In a sense, 
the Chinese virus has helped us quite a bit in the church because more and more people are seeking not only information, but they're seeking some kind of comfort. And that comfort only can come through faith in Jesus Christ. So even though churches are somewhat empty these days because of the rule of only 10 people showing up at a time, more people are being tuned in to internet worship services and Bible studies. In fact, some churches report that more are tuning into them than were actually coming to church. So we see this all the time in the history of the world when persecution or the inability to worship properly occurs, guess what? There are more people interested in the teachings of the Holy Christian Church. All right, let's go to another letter. This one, my questions. Is it possible to be a Jesus died for me believer and not believe in the resurrection, the virgin birth, Jesus being the Son of God, or his miracles? Is it possible to be a Jesus died for me believer and believe in evolution, that Jesus is only a good man, or Jonah is just a story to teach? That is, it really didn't happen. That's a really interesting set of questions there, and let me answer it in a couple of ways. Uh, first of all, some of these areas were not believed by Old Testament believers. For example, I'm not sure that Adam and Eve knew that the Messiah would come and die, but also be raised from the dead. And now it's possible they were told that by God. But if you take a look at the Genesis 3.15 promise, the promise is the seed of Eve, that's the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus, will crush the head of the devil, but in the process, he will be wounded. Now, that wounded could refer to his death. Well, it does refer to his death, but did Adam and Eve understand that properly? Well, we need to remember, there was an occasion when Jesus was talking to the disciples, and it's in Mark chapter 9. The Son of Man will be betrayed and handed over to people. They will kill him, but on the third day, he will come back to life. Now, verse 32 continues, the disciples did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him. Now, I find that really interesting. Are we going to say that they were unbelievers at that point? No, I'm not so sure that we can say that. They still had to be taught more. And of course, that's what um, the Apostle Paul does in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He talks about, well, wait a minute. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, 
then you are still in your sins. In other words, he makes a big point that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was absolutely necessary for you to no longer be in your sins. And yet there were people in Corinth who did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They were kind of following the Sadducees. The Sadducees were a, a group in Judaism, unlike the Pharisees. The Pharisees did believe in a resurrection from the dead, but the Sadducees did not. And so they tried to trick Jesus one day. Well, look, this gentleman, he was married to four or five women. Who will be his wife in heaven? And Jesus says, there is no giving or taking of marriage in heaven. And so he put down the Sadducees by showing them that they did not even understand the Old Testament, which they said they were following. Now, by the way, the Sadducees only believed in the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So when Jesus is showing them that there is a resurrection of the dead, he only, to them, quotes verses from those five books. He says, is God a God of the living or of the dead? And of course they answer, well, he's the God of the living. And then Jesus reminds them what Moses heard on Mount Sinai at the burning bush when Jesus Christ, as the angel of the Lord said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, if he's the God of the living, they must still be living. And they were, because when a believer dies, his spirit immediately goes to heaven to be with the Lord. And his body goes in the ground to be raised from the dead on the last day. So there's an example where you can believe that salvation is going to be coming out from the Messiah but still not be absolutely sure about the resurrection. The disciples really believe that Jesus was God. Remember, they're in the boat. There's a big storm. Jesus stands up. Be still. And the storm ceases. And they are very understanding that this is a divine characteristic that Jesus is God. Whether they believed in the resurrection at that time, it appears not, because they didn't understand him when they heard that he was going to be risen from the dead. How about the virgin birth? Well, I had professors at the seminary I was attending that when they looked at Isaiah 7.14, they didn't think it was referring to the Virgin Mary. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They thought it was really some young woman they translated it as, rather than virgin, that had occurred or was going to occur at the time of the writing of uh, Isaiah. So they didn't believe in the virgin birth. How about his miracles? Well, this is an interesting point to make. I don't believe that miracles 
cause faith to come into the heart of anybody. What? Well, why did Jesus do his miracles? Well, you got to remember that a lot of people at the time of Jesus were believers. I, I believe Mary was a believer. Joseph was a believer. Zacharias, Elizabeth was a believer. But they really didn't know that Jesus, the son of Mary, was going to be the Christ who came to die on the cross for their sins. That had to be taught. And so I believe that the miracles of Jesus were used by God to convince believers that Jesus indeed was the promised Messiah. So there was a change in their faith, but not from unbelief to faith, but from faith that the Messiah would come to faith that Jesus was the Messiah. Therefore, when a lot of them came to faith, it's really referring to their new understanding that this Jesus Christ, whom they crucified and had risen from the dead, was the Messiah. I can't find one place in the Bible where somebody sees a miracle and it moves them from unbelief in the coming of the Messiah to faith. Because before they were totally unbelievers. It would be like saying that prior to that miracle occurring, had they died, they would not be saved. But as soon as the miracle occurred, then they believed and they were saved. What they believed was that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, no miracle I know of, including Jesus rising from the dead, convinced an unbeliever to become a believer. For example, the Pharisees, they knew that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. They knew that he himself was raised from the dead. They paid the soldiers to lie about it, that the disciples had stolen the body. But they themselves thought it was a trick of Beelzebub, the devil, that he had been raised from the dead. And so they did not believe the gospel message that through Jesus would come the forgiveness of sins. But, but wait a minute. There were some Pharisees that did believe it. Was it because Jesus had done miracles and risen from the dead? No, one of the best examples is to go to John chapter 3, where we have a Pharisee meeting with Jesus at night. And why is he meeting with Jesus at night? Because he's afraid that if he confesses that Jesus is the Christ, that guess what? He is going to be removed from the temple, from worship. So when he sees Jesus, Jesus says to him, a man must be born again. Now, he doesn't understand that. He says, do I have to get back in my mother's womb? Now, we know his name was Nicodemus, that he came to faith. And the other Pharisee that had come to faith 
was Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, both of them, by the way, were kind of on the Supreme Court of Judaism at that time because they went to Pontius Pilate and asked to be able to take Jesus' body down from the cross and bury him, which they did very quickly on that Good Friday. So they were believers, but they didn't become believers by seeing miracles that may have interested them. And Nicodemus went to Jesus to ask him about, you know, who he truly is. They became believers by hearing the word of God from Jesus. And what word? The word that he is truly the Messiah that has come to take away the sins of the world. For example, people saw a lot of miracles of Jesus, and it did not move them to go from unbelief to faith. But one example would be the feeding of the 5,000. Remember their reaction and their response after they had been fed? They were chasing after Jesus not to adore him as the coming Messiah who would take away their sins, but rather as a bread king who would take away the Romans, restore Israel to its former grandeur. And Jesus himself even says, you saw the miracle, but you missed the sign. It's kind of like every now and then I see a sign on the road, and I'm not really sure what it means. It, it may be a curving line with an X in it. Well, what does that mean? Well, what it means is you can't do a U-turn there. So you can see the sign, but a lot of people may not recognize what it means. They saw and were fed 5,000 of them plus women and children, but many of them did not see what it meant. And therefore, they did not recognize Jesus as the true Messiah. That, that occurs a number of times where Jesus does a miracle and, wow, what do they do? They, they try to kill him. Even in Nazareth, they wanted him to do the miracles he had done in Capernaum, which was not precisely a Jewish town, and he would not. And they got angry with, with him and wanted them to throw him off a cliff. So... Where is the line where when you don't believe certain things, you could not be going to heaven, even if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? The last item, how about can you believe that Jesus died for me and still believe in evolution? Well, I can give you personal experience from that. That's where law and gospel really comes in handy from personal experience. There was a stationery store that I frequented. It's since been closed down. But there was a young man there who was attending Lutheran High School South. And I got to know him pretty well. And it must have been about a, a three years kind of friendship we had. I'd go in and get my items. And at the beginning, he was a Christian and a believer in Jesus Christ. 
But at the end of those three years, guess what happened? He no longer believed. And I asked him, well, why don't you believe anymore? And he said, well, at Lutheran High South, there was a professor there who was teaching evolution as a way in which God created the world. Well, you, you can't believe that uh, and, and believe that God created the world through that. In time, it took away his faith in Jesus Christ. So can you be a Christian and believe in evolution? Yes, but there's a great chance that that will take you away from faith in Jesus Christ. And that was an example. For example, I don't know if you grow fruit or vegetables, but you take a look at these hundreds and hundreds of seeds. One can end up becoming a tree. Another can end up becoming a strawberry. How can anybody believe in evolution? that all that came about by chance. And I'm just talking about seeds, not talking about the complexity of the human body that could never have come about by chance. So if you believe in evolution, that's a real danger. So I appreciate people writing to me, emailing to me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com so I might be able to answer your questions. And on Monday, we'll continue with one of the readings for another Sunday after Easter. Please tune in at 9.30 on Monday. And I hope my new microphone is working fine and that you can hear me well. But we're going to be continuing with Law and Gospel. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.